0: Hello and welcome to this nutmeg podcast, a version of the Scottish football magazine for your ears. I'm Daniel Gray and this time my guests are two top-notch sports people, athlete Ailey Doyle and curler Eve Muirhead. Hurdler Ailey is a European champion and an Olympic and Commonwealth medal winner, Curling sensation Eve is a European and world champion and an Olympic medalist herself. I, meanwhile, am dead good at swing ball. The three of us met in the boardroom at Stirling Albion's Fourth Bank Stadium. A big thanks to them. And congratulations on having the most beautifully polished table I've ever seen. Now that should be an Olympic sport. The Nutmeg Podcast falls from the air and into your machines every fortnight. Please hark at who has said what so far. Do subscribe, review give us some stars. To us, they're like a fiver in a birthday card. This podcast stands on the robust shoulders of our print magazine. Issue 11 of Nutmeg is out in mid-March. Please see nutmegmagazine.co.uk for more. Enough of that. Here's the podcast. q tape. Am I right in thinking you've both been on question of sport? Yes. Yeah. Would uh-huh. you say that this was more glamorous? And I'm a bit more, <laughs> <laughs> I'm more glamorous Definitely. than Sue Barker, very much. Yes. yes. And my makeup's nicer. So <laughs> I think it's fair to say. Ailey, I'll start with you. You are, of course, a Heart of Midlothian fan. Why?
1: Um, it's all really down to my dad to be honest um, He he's he's actually not from anybody he's from Oban when he was younger and at school all his friends either supported Rangers or Celtic and I think he wanted to be a little bit different and he just liked the name Heart of Midlothian and that's pretty much why he's here to, to support them and follow them and then he just brought our whole family up I'm one of four and he just brought us all up supporting hearts and, and going to watch them so it was, it's really all down to my dad to be honest
0: dads always seem to have quite a, a sway <laughs> on the family don't they? yeah and did he take you to your early games? Can you remember early games? He did, games? yeah. I
1: remember I remember one of my first games. I mean, I think I'd probably been to a game before that, but maybe didn't quite remember. But I remember um, my older... I've got two older sisters and an older brother. They were at, they all did swimming when we were younger, and they were at a swimming gala in Edinburgh at the Commonwealth pool one day. And I was too young to to be part of the gala, so... And my mum stayed with them, and my dad was like, oh, "We'll go and have a day out in Edinburgh." So we went into Edinburgh and uh, finished it with a, a match, a game of football at the end of it, and went to watch Hearts at Tynecastle. I think it was—I I couldn't even tell you who they were playing. I think it might have even been. Ross County or something like that but but they won and then my dad was like right you're coming all the time now because you're the lucky charm and things like that and I don't know how long that lasted but that was kind of my first memory of just me and my dad having a day in Edinburgh and then finishing off by by going to Tain Castle for a game.
0: You're talking the mid-90s here mid to late 90s? Yeah
1: that had been kind of early. I'm 1987 I was born so yeah that would have been probably early to mid 90s yeah.
0: So who are the early players you remember in the early?
1: I mean the one I always remember was John Robertson I think he was obviously just just huge and obviously we just scored so many goals <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: um, and then the sort of this kind of older i got and then the more i kind of got into it and and, and then started going regularly and stuff like that was people like gary Locke was my favorite player that was the that was the name that i always wanted on the back of my strip and it was yeah people like him and that was obviously later 90s and then i i went and got a season ticket when i was a bit older when i went to university and um and uh, at the end of actually high school as well, um, and my big favourite player then was Alan Mabry. It wouldn't be one of your kind of well-known players, you know. It wouldn't be one of the big kind of scorers. In life, he, he was a defender, and uh, he was the one that I just, I really, I really liked. And he ha- I had his name on about three or four strips throughout the seasons. It was always Mabry on the back of my strips. So he was my my big kind of. Big favourite for for so many times. Time. Yeah, <laughs> I
0: feel like that was a Hearts team that all had similar haircuts. When I think about, yeah, it yeah, I think they all the sort of rugged. It was yeah. sort of Robbie
1: Neilson, Stephen Presley, yeah, kind of yeah. kind of look with the beards as well and stuff like that. But yeah, I just I can't remember. I'd gone to a game and I just remember seeing Alan Mabry play, and I just think, oh, he was just a really good, you know, a really good defender and stuff like that. And then um, I remember kind of thinking, oh, he's pretty good. And then he actually scored scored a goal against Park Thistle and it was an absolute sc- screamer and I remember just thinking oh yeah he's I really liked him sort of thing so yeah it was yeah wouldn't be one of your kind of players that you'd remember people saying oh yeah you know mm-hmm. but he was he was my favourite and I just thought he was brilliant.
0: So do you remember winning the cup in 98? Did you start? To go yeah I was
1: at that game yeah but I'd actually we'd actually gone I think it was two years before that we'd gone to the, the cup final when it was against Rangers and the, the whole family went and I had Face paint and everything, and we got gubbed five one by Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was my Same first day kind day. of real proper remember like defeat as a as a as a fan. And then yeah, went to ninety eight. My, my my dad and my sister and my brother, and just uh, just absolutely incredible, just an amazing day. Uh, and then it was just a nice day as well. You know, it was the sun was shining. Just just an amazing a nerve-wracking game but just amazing afterwards obviously when, when we won and uh, yeah you're just thinking they're going to get a last minute penalty they're going to get a last minute goal or something you know it's
0: not over till it's over but thankfully we, we held on to the
1: 2 one win. Do
0: you think that kind of tension and uh, coping with tension has helped you in your career or is that a different?
1: Yeah but it's totally different you know I'm, I'm far more nervous in those big football games than than you are because when you're on the track and things like that you can control that and it's kind of what you're used to so you're you're on the track you're about to run your race and and you know what's gonna you know you know how things are going to play because you know you've trained hard and you're ready and you're you're good to go whereas when you watch football and especially those kind of more nail-biting ones like the derbies and stuff like that where they they don't necessarily go to form it's always a bit kind of erratic they're the ones that you just you know, you can't enjoy it until it's over. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you are winning by a couple of goals, you really still can't enjoy it until until it's completely it's painful over. Painful sport. It is, it? yeah, <laughs> it is.
0: <laughs> we'll come back to you and hearts in a minute, but Eve, the same questions really: why St Johnston and, and when? For you,
2: I'm a little bit similar to Ailey Actually, like I remember when I when I was younger. Like I I was from a wee town up north called Blair Athol, and um, Perth was only half an hour drive for us, and. My dad was a was a St. Johnston fan and he had been for many years and I remember when we were younger like he used to take me and my brothers along to games with a couple of our friends and I remember the halftime like Dottie Bar and the blue popcorn and this was only the reason that we used to want to go at that time when we were that young and yeah like really from then we used to go to McDermott Park and try and go most weeks and watch St. Johnston as, as young kids and I think it worked really well because we were a really sporty family as well. So, for us to kind of get out on the weekends and the Saturdays and and to go and watch to
0: go and watch sport um, was was really cool. It's quite re- actually relaxing to go to football and to not be doing.
2: <laughs> yeah, like it, it is relaxing, but but then again, I also hate watching. Like I absolutely hate it. Like I was watching my my brothers and dad Carl the other weekend, and I'd much rather be on the ice and and play. And I'm like a nervous wreck, I can hardly ever watch. And like football, like it, it can come down to that last kick of the ball and it's never over until the whistle goes, is it? So yes, it. I guess it's a little bit relaxing, but at the same time when you're really kind of behind one team, it's not the most relaxing.
0: <laughs> and blue popcorn, I can't let that pass. That sounds
2: amazing. <laughs> oh, I used to love it. I remember at halftime, I used to always dash first one in the queue and get the blue popcorn and get the dotty bar with the Smarties in it and the the hot chocolate. Oh, it used to be great.
0: The stuff of a dietitian's dream. <laughs> yeah, this was years ago though. <laughs> <laughs> I've it's changed wrong a little with a bit. Of blue food. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> it's there, so good food. for you all those add- additives. <laughs> it gets you through the second half. <laughs> yes. <that's like. laughs> So what are the what's the early period when you remember going with your family to see Saint Johnstone?
2: The kind the biggest memory at six with me is going to watch them play at Celtic Park, and I remember getting our face painted, and I've actually got the picture at home, and me and quite a few friends from home, and our, our parents were there, and we've got the big Saints scarves and the Saints flags, and um, got our our face painted blue and white, and I just remember that day they they got beat one 0 but. It was just such a good day, like it was such a good day to, to get away from McDermott Park and watch them play somewhere else and mm. and especially at Celtic Park like, I was like wow this is amazing <laughs> being a little kid when you walk in there like it, it seems a, a pretty big special place.
0: You've seen some good times we'll come to the, the cup final later but mm. when you look back sort of before you were on this earth they were a bit of a yo-yo team. Yeah, They still side. are a little yeah, bit. <laughs> it feels stable to me because I've not been up here yeah. long, I suppose.
2: As you say like I guess I kind of just stepped in kind of late 90s so I've kind of had them I've been behind them a little bit more since kind of Tommy Wright's been in charge and things and um, they've, they've like, still been a little bit up and down but like I think what you say like gone the days where they were really up and down and um, like they, they seem to have kind of settled a little bit from the start of this season as well so yeah I am maybe lucky to get them at like this kind of stage but they've been a team I, I've always supported and that's more or less just because I'm kind of like a local girl to that area
0: and it is quite a regional pride thing. Mm, in it Perthshire, is very it? much, yeah. Team, yeah. team and Perth's team. You feel that quite strongly, perhaps about everything you do, but the football team. Yeah,
2: definitely. That's um, one of the reasons I like back in St. Johnson is because like, I'm obviously a Perthshire girl and they're a Perthshire team. And I love supporting anyone that's kind of local to the area and kind of getting behind them. So so that's probably the the, the biggest reason. And um, yeah, like, I enjoy it. It's lots of fun.
0: And daily I read on your Wikipedia page you were born in Perth. Yeah, I know. So this is the big... So d- why not say know. Uh, <laughs> do you know what, as
1: well, they said, I did uh, the halftime draw once at Tyne Castle and it was against St Johnston and Scott Wilson does the halftime draw. He said to me, "So you were born in Perth, why do you not support St Johnston? <laughs> and all the St Johnston fans booed me. Oh! Uh-huh. <laughs> it was a real <sighs> bang down to earth. Well, yeah, I was born in Perth, but... Um, I grew up in Kid Ross uh, for my whole life, really, and then, then lived in Edinburgh at uni. So, and again, it was purely down to my dad, so I was like, I, to all the St Johnston fans, blame my, my dad, it's his
0: fault. I think these are the two <laughs> reasons, either your parent and very often your mm-hmm. dad, yeah. or just the way you were born, isn't yeah. it? And yeah. That's the way it, it, it goes. So to take you forward to those glorious words, cup finals, what would your own memory be, Eve, of St Johnston winning the cup? May the seventeenth.
2: Yeah, I remember it really, really well. I was there with one of my teammates, Vicky. We were we were in the boardroom and things before, and I think we we're the only. I, I remember, like, I didn't really know we were kind of getting into the boardroom, and apparently, I'm the only person that's ever been in there with jeans on. Feel <laughs> like I feel, <laughs> like, a, I feel like a right rebel. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I remember it. Like that was so much fun. Like, and it was so nerve wracking though. And it was. Um, and the, I remember driving home as well, and the queues and streams of traffic, just because everyone was at this this big game. And um, the kind of weeks and months after, like it's still kind of flooding social media and um, the the local like the courier at home, the pressure advertiser, things like that. And it was such a big deal for St Johnston to to get that win. It was incredible. It was, I guess, time that another team got their name on the trophy, and for it to be St Johnston. Um, having kind of fought for so many years and come close sometimes, but a long way away other times, it was it was good and for for me to be like a kind of Perth girl and to to be along their support and um, meet all the players and like that that was cool. I I, I liked it. Yeah.
0: And what about? Being made to be one of the people on the pitch. There's a, a one-minute YouTube video <laughs> God. where I can't say You look like you're loving it too much. It was drank, freezing. You your best. <laughs>
2: it was absolutely freezing. I remember going out there. yeah, and I think it was close to after we won the worlds or Europeans, and so yeah. So they've kind of paraded us on the pitch and things, and that that was. Um, it was really good fun, but I remember like it was bitterly cold. It was so cold, but my halftime hot chocolate heated me up. A blue hot chocolate, yeah.
0: The, w- the one thing I noticed in the film is the terrifying mascot that tries to... Yes, he <laughs>
2: did, didn't he? I, I remember, oh yeah, he came pouncing from behind me and yeah, like I was just scared I was going to trip. You know, like when you're the kind of one person in the pitch and all these kind yeah. of thousands of people have just got their eyes on you. <laughs> and it's like when you've got heels on and you've got to go on a stage or something, you're just <laughs> terrified you're going to trip. But that didn't happen, thankfully.
0: So two years before that was your own great cup winning moment on your 2nd of your lifetime <laughs> but where were you um
1: i wasn't at the game no um i was competing i think that weekend damn career um i know it seems to always fall on the the wrong time um so yeah so i was f- following it on a in a, in a hotel um in Loughborough, actually. Um, but even if I hadn't been competing, my cousin actually decided to have his wedding on that day. So half my family... Who
0: gets married in there?
1: <laughs> half my family didn't make it. My brother was the only one who actually managed to, to go to it. But, I mean, yeah, just... I, I think that was just the one that, obviously, being, being against hips, that was the one that you you didn't want to lose. You know, <laughs> that was the one that you really... You did not, because you knew that the other half of, of Edinburgh weren't going to let you forget it if you did. So, I mean, I, mean, I remember just being a nervous wreck and the in the build up to it and everything people were talking about it and you know you get you get Hearts fans that are were overly confident, you know, and you just thought, no, don't, you know, don't don't jinx anything, just um and then sitting in this sitting in this hotel room in Loughborough on my own, watching it on my on my laptop and just screaming and cheering and shouting and then I think even when the by the time the fifth one went in I was thinking, right, okay, now I can relax. I think we've got it now. <laughs> I think an we amazing want it. Mentality.
0: All fun, isn't it. <laughs> You talked about the helplessness of being there, mm-hmm. but watching on telly is even worse, isn't
1: it? Oh, definitely. I think when you're there and you're kind of in the, the atmosphere as well, it's a, it's a bit easier. But even on telly, you know, and you get the commentators, and I always feel the commentators always say the wrong thing at the wrong time. So always they'll be a they'll always shoot, be like, <laughs> yeah, or they'll be like, oh, that guy's not scored at all for, you know, for, say for hips yeah. or whatever. And then the guy comes on and scores. You know, Hearts have got a really good track record here, so, you know, they'll go and hear the favourite, and just all these things that you're feeling, oh, that's not going to help matters, just be quiet. So, uh, so. Yeah, sometimes it's, yeah, like I say, it's a lot more terrifying watching it on the telly than sometimes just being there and, and being in amongst the atmosphere. And you're there with your fans as well, you know, the same fans that are all kind of wanting the same thing to happen. So at least, you know, if, if their team go ahead or equalise, then you've kind of got that support around you that, OK, these guys are in it with me. You know, when you're at your on your own watching it on telly, you're just... Yeah, it's a lonely place. And there's always
0: the horror of someone who doesn't understand going. Uh, it's only a game. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's it not what off. you want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> of course, not too long after a famous hand salute. Uh, yes. Giving the story. <laughs> Tell us about that one.
1: Well, the thing is, I got I got in a lot of bother for this, but it, in my defence, a lot of folk thought that I did I did the five one after that won the the race at the Commonwealth Games. A lot of folk thought that I did that on purpose. It was preempted, but there was actually a kid in the crowd who'd said to me oh Ailey do the 5-1 do the 5-1 so I did it and then he took a photo of it and uh and then I and I totally forgot that I'd done it and then it wasn't until I got back and I did the Claire Balding show that night and they were all talking about it and they're like oh man you're you're all over Twitter like what do, what, what does this 5-1 mean and I was like oh right you know it's just in reference to um Hamden was where Hearts Beat Hips 5-1 at the Scottish Cup you know and somebody asked me to do it and they're like all right, and I could tell there was something else going on, and then I went on my I went on my Twitter, and it was all over Twitter, like just the fact that I'd done it and stuff like that. All these photos of me doing it and things like that. I mean, the Hearts fans are loving it, but Hibs fans not so much. Not
0: so well. <laughs> and there's always a usually active of support for Hearts when you're wearing. Yes,
1: my, my Hearts band. Yeah, so I, I wore this. I, I wore this. I, I must admit, this is a different one um, because. I've had it. If you think it's the same one, I've had it for about ten years, and these don't last that long. But um, I wore it. I wore it at a race once, and uh, I, I won the race and ran a PB. And then I was like, oh, it's a lucky charm sort of thing. And I think, and I mentioned it to in an article maybe, or, or to the press, and they picked up on it and they said, oh, she always wears her heart span because it brings her luck and stuff like that. And I thought, all oh, right. Better make sure I keep wearing it then. Now, (laughs) so uh, so then, and then I just kept wearing it. Now it's just become a bit of a
0: you know a a, a norm thing. Yeah. (laughs) Present that was green to wear every week. (laughs) And what about both of your clubs now? St Johnston seemed to be in a really uh, good position Mm. financially, and Tommy Wright must be a bit of a hero, isn't he?
2: Yeah, like he's obviously was kind of. On the rocks a little bit a couple a couple seasons back, but he seems to have kind of got through it. And like I think Tommy's doing a good job just now. Like the guys train in Stirling actually at the at the uni as well. So I see them quite often in there, and you kind of get on first name terms with a lot of them, which is which is really cool. And um, yeah, like hopefully they can they can keep going and Tommy can keep there.
0: You're listening to the Nutmeg Podcast, a version of the Scottish football magazine for your ears. Please subscribe, review, and have a listen to our previous stuff. And don't forget the magazine; you should buy one. It smells bloody lovely. Now, back to the podcast, where our conversational topic had shifted on to swashbuckling St. Johnston forward, Stevie May. Stevie May, I always liked him as that kind of cult figure because of the hair, mm. because of the playing style, though. And the His effort. hair was. Sometimes I feel like. It's a shame players move on. All right, you'll have earned an awful lot more money. In I was just going yeah, to say, yeah, like after yourself and your family, yeah. big time. But sometimes I have this romantic notion that I wish they'd stay and be the small, small city hero. I
2: know. Well, he kind of was Perth's kind of small, kind of hero, if you know what I mean. And but being. Top class footballers, like, where's the money? They're going to chase the money, aren't they? And that's just the bottom line, what they do. So,
0: you can't blame them. If no, any, if I any can't. Any I would be pod- off if yeah. I got offered a lot more money, it's put it, it that way. If any big money podcast wants to come in for me, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> uh, speaking to all, and hearts seem to seem to be after the Roman of years yeah. in a really good position with a fantastic woman in charge. Yeah, I mean, she
1: just seems like
0: such a switched-on lady.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, she just, and everything she does, even when she kind of puts out statements from hearts and that, that is always very articulate. She's always very, you know, knows what she's talking about. Is thought about what she's, you know, wanting to say and get across. And, yeah, I mean, it's just brilliant. I mean, I, you know, I remember those Romanov days where you are just, you know, you knew the bubble was going to burst at some point and you were always just that... That bit wary of thinking, you know, okay, everything's going well here, but something's not quite right. Think back to sort of Rickerton 3 uh, with Hartley and Presley and, and Craig Gordon and just how low we were at that point and, and everything that's kind of that came since then, you know, and then where we are now, and especially with people like Ann Budge, but also with the foundation of Hearts and how much the supporters have just got behind us. I mean, it's it's a really proud club to be part of because of these things, you know, and and, and you see that and you see, you know, how much the fans have rallied round and, and, you know, how much support is there for the team now. And then you just have that comfort and confidence now, you know, you've not got this worry of, what's going to happen here, you know, is the bubble going to burst or is something going to go wrong? You know, you feel very confident in, in where we are just now. So, yeah, it's, it's a nice place now to be as a, as a Hearts fan.
0: You know the bills are going to be paid. And yes. It feels <clears> throat> throat> the players are going to be paid. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, an exceptionally professional mm-hmm. club, I suppose, is, is the word you use. Mm-hmm. And a rejuvenated Craig Levine. Yeah. We had an event for Nutmeg where four or five different people on a panel argued for the greatest Scottish footballing rebel <laughs> of all time. And the writer Chris McQueer argued for, for the new Craig, Craig Levine, which tremendous. He suddenly decided to let go of the shackles in his media games. it's suddenly, very darkly
1: <laughs> I think it's brilliant. I mean, I think you need kind of characters like that. I mean, I know, I know, what he rubs a lot of fuck up the wrong way, but I think you've got to take it, you know, as as I think a lot of us get far too serious about football. And yes, it does mean a lot to us. And and yes, you know, you want your clubs to do well. And and you know, sometimes you go to football games and you and you hear the amount of shouting and abuse that goes on, and you just think there's no need for that. You know, at the end of, at the end of the day, it is a game. But when you have characters like that who do bring a little bit of humour, and you know, and I think that's the thing with Craig. You know, he's very, he's got a very dry sense of humour. You know, and I think, you know, having that little bit of personality, having that little joke and you know, these little remarks, I think it just brings brings a character. It brings, you know, more to more to the game and you know it doesn't make it seem so serious. And I think that's what it sometimes needs.
0: That's a good point about football. Do you think, Eve, it's lost some of the sense of playing and watching for the sheer joy? Mm
2: -hmm. Hugely. And I think Ailey kinda hit the nail on the head that it's becoming very, very serious within the kind of support of it. Do you know what I mean? And um, curling, curling's different. Curling, not so much. But, like, you kind of, when, let's say, Celtic Rangers are going to play, you just kind of watch it because you know there's going to be drama. I do anyway, because you just know something's going to happen. And then within hours, like, on the news and that, so X amount of people have been arrested because of this and that. Like, really? It's a game of football. And I get, for a lot of people, like it, it means an awful lot, and it does. But there's just there's just no need to kind of take it to that next level, is there? But cur- curling's not like I wouldn't curling. You can't really relate to to the same as as likes of football. But yeah, like it, it's it's competitive enough, and sometimes the people out with the team are just as competitive. As the as the team and want them to do well, and I think it's exactly the same in football. But yeah, like I, I think over over time, hopefully it'll it'll become a little bit more chilled out. If you, it's not the right word. Like it is a, a high level competitive sport, so it's not like that. But it's just the not as much drama, not as much criminal aspect of it at, at times because it's sometimes it's
0: just too much. It can feel like that's that you're absolutely right. A certain atmospheres, you just think. I know we joke about, God, it can be a painful game and it gives you upset when they lose, but yeah. there are times when I've been and I've just thought, we've lost, why we are we here? We're oh, I know, exactly. Because we like skill. Uh, yeah, We like basically. Yeah. we like the joy of a mm-hmm. goal, and yeah. the state can feel too much. It can,
2: definitely, yeah, I agree.
0: Do you think there's anything from your own sporting <laughs> career that would be applicable to football? You know, what makes for kind of good leadership?
2: I think always the, the captain must have to have some similar kind of leadership skills and um it'll be it'll be very similar within a lot of a lot of sports that the captain has more or less not the last word but sometimes kind of leads the ideas and and leads what what they think should happen or um certain football like certain positions certain movements and it's same in curling like it's a very tactical sport and football is too like I know there's a lot more video analysis and stuff that goes on than, than what we see and it's the, the same in our sport so yeah like I do think there's a lot of similarities and, and being the kind of captain or skip like you, you do have that final decision and the difference for us is like we like I will have the, the kind of last shot that kind of win or lose your games and football it can it can be any one of them can't it so that's probably slightly different but a lot of um, a lot of the, the kind of public eye and and the supporter's eyes are on are on the captain and if things don't go well, more or less it's them that get blamed, isn't it?
0: Do mm. you think way down the line you'll ever move into coaching and managing? Um, and will you be a Alex Ferguson, <laughs> hairdryer type, oh, or a, a measured Gareth Southgate?
2: <laughs> <laughs> measured. Um, I don't know. Like, I I thought, I, I think I've got a little bit of time left in my career if my, if my body will hold up. And I, I don't know. I want to still be involved in sport, and whether it's done the coaching side of it or the management side of it, I, I, I really don't know yet. Time
0: will tell. and football. Eh, maybe. Ailey, I can see the absolute devotion to football and to watching hearts, but have there been times when comparing what you do for a living and footballers, the obvious one is financial, you felt frustrations?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that is probably the biggest difference is the the amount of money that is spent in football and and towards football players. When you look at being the best Scottish athlete in terms of being the best Scottish footballer, there's a massive a massive difference between that. Um, but I suppose it is you know, football. You know, the, every weekend there's there's games, there's tickets to be sold. Athletics not got that fan base. It's not got the championships like that that you know happen all the time you know we've got one big championships every year and and yes that gets the attention that gets you know the 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 attraction of fans but you know we're not we're not competing every single weekend so we don't have that that real attention that footballers get and and sometimes that you know you you can be a bit jealous and think you know I work really really hard and and and, you know you want to kind of get the kind of respect and the sort of um, admiration that you think you you deserve but I don't do it for that, you know. I do it because I I love, I love athletics and I love to, I love to run, and I've always loved to run since I, you know, I first started it when I was about nine years old. So, you know, I I don't, I don't think of doing it for those reasons. Um, And again, I'm one of those people that go and watch the football every weekend. So I'm somebody who goes and supports, you know, the football as well. So I can't really be, you know, complain too much about it. But yeah, I think it's just the kind of the world we live in at the moment. You know, football is just so massive in Scotland, and it does cover all the the back pages of the newspapers. But we're slowly getting there you know and and, and athletes now in Scotland are becoming more well known you know myself but also Laura Muir you know Eilish McCogan, people like that people are now knowing who they are whereas if you go back maybe five or six years even uh, probably before 2014 in Glasgow you'd find it hard to name any kind of top class athletes probably you've just met somebody in the town and and asked them name a famous athlete from Scotland they might struggle to to name name anybody but I think now we're kind of we're we're coming through.
0: That's absolutely right and I think people that We're solely football fans and there are many of us see a lot of values that we like in athletics and curling all the other sports where hopefully you're getting enough sponsorship and funding to make a living but deep down the stuff that gets you up at five in the morning for drugs tests and (laughs) and endless training, endless physiotherapy is, is the love of the sport. In a lot of these podcasts, we've had grown men become teary at the thought of their father's influence on, on their careers and on them liking football. I mean, has that been the case for you, Eve? Is, is it your dad that made you go along and also has been a big support in your, your career as well?
2: Yeah, like it, it was my dad that got me into curling. and um, Curling's not a sport that a lot of people get into if your family don't do it. And from a very young age, I remember mum taking me and my, my brother along and Um, I don't think my little brother would have been born at that time, but my older brother, like, screaming and shouting, like, running around rioting the the bar area of the ice rink, watching Dad, and from a young age, like, that's all we wanted to do was to go on the ice and have a shot, because as a young kid, like, you see a big sheet of ice chucking stones up and down, like, it looks so much fun, doesn't it? (laughs) And I remember one one time that he was out competing in Canada, and he came home, and he had like a tiny little brush for, for me and Glenn and a little pair of shoes, and um, he took us along to the local rink in Pitlochry, which unfortunately is closed down now. But and really from that that first time, like you just you just want to go back. And I remember any spare minute after school I'd be. Sh- run down the road and we'd be on the ice practicing and um, if we were there watching dad as soon as he'd finish like we'd be straight on the ice, ice throwing stones and, and wanting to get better watching old videos at home of, of games that dad used to play and all the top Canadian guys and, and that's how we learned was um, watching all watching all the top guys and maybe seems a little bit sad now but you look at people nowadays and they 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 don't learn it the same way if you know what I mean and you look at we have major championships in in Scotland not very often the Europeans a couple of years back and there was hardly any young kids there watching which is quite sad and because when I was younger if if like, of so that was happening on my my doorstep God I'd be there watching as much as I could so. Um for me, it definitely was my dad's influence that, that got me into the game, and um like he still supports us now, and we still play a bit of club stuff together most
1: competitive than ever but um it's it's good, and yeah, I have my dad to thank for all for me, it was very much a family thing and and that was what my sport was as well you know, my whole family we would all go to the football together, it was a day out for all of us um and it very much is like that still you know my mum and dad both have seen tickets at hearts my, my brother does as well my sister's used to but they've now got um babies so they they can't quite go now every weekend so you know every Saturday the family are all the, the footballer every weekend so and that was very much like my sport as well we all used to go to do swimming and then we all did athletics and it was a, a family day out you know we're all going to go and watch my brother play football or we're going to go and watch me race or my sister go and swim in a gala so it's yeah I mean that was kind of where it all came from I think it's funny because my dad he probably hate me for saying this but he's not and he, he wouldn't really get that emotional about the football you know he gets very passionate about it you know and, and be there cheering and shouting and things like that but He's more emotional about my athletics. You'll cry if, quite a lot if I win medals and things like that. And that side of him I hadn't seen, you know, until yeah. I actually started to become successful at athletics sort of thing. So that was quite nice to kind of see that. And I think it's because he's been there from the very beginning, you know, him and my mum, going through the... The taxi journey's taking me here, there and everywhere. You know, and not just me, my my sisters and brother as well. And then actually seeing all that effort that they did from that young, when I was young to what it's led me to and, and it's given me a career now. And I think that's just really nice to see. And it's almost kind of your your way of saying thanks back to them as well for all that time that they put in back then as being like, well, you kept me keen, you kept me engaged, you took me everywhere I needed to be and now this is me, you, it's worked, so thank you sort of thing. And I think that's the nice thing about it.
0: I think in football the clubs have now woken up to the idea of family involvement in terms of on the terraces and I think Saint Johnston were quite early with that. It was cheap to get in there.
2: Yeah, it was. I think it was a five or something, like it wasn't much at all. Um and that's another thing as well, looking at that football, like we can't put the prices and things up too much or or people are just gonna turn on their T V and watch it from the couch and I know that's, that started a lot of a lot of kind of talking when the prices have been going up, so I think it's crucial that if we can, we try and keep them as low as we can to to get as many people as long as long along to the games to kind of get the live atmosphere because if you can imagine watching a TV uh, a game at home on TV and there was no one in the crowd like it's just not the same so um yes, and Johnson have been doing a really good job with that, and hopefully they can continue that
0: and more blue popcorn
2: yes, <laughs> and the dotty bars they don't do them anymore. Mm-hmm.
0: What, what is this? Describe this to me. It's
2: a chocolate bar with smarties, isn't it? Oh,
0: that sounds tremendous. Yeah, it was. It was so good, so good. I think so much of going to football is about the food. Yeah. Oh,
1: it is, and the pies and the bovril and I the actually, house. I went to a St. Johnson game actually when it was St. John'son and Hibbs did you get a cup, popcorn, and it was played at Tynecastle. Castle. Oh. And I went with my friend Jane because she was we were at uni at the time in Edinburgh, and she was a St. John'son supporter and uh, Hibs won in the end but there was a streaker right in front of oh, us oh I've
2: seen a streaker <laughs> and he ran well. right in the pitch
1: and, it, and, and for me it kind of left this question of what actually happens to the streaker's clothes because he just left all his clothes <laughs> ran on the pitch and then he was taken <laughs> off by police and these little his little pile clothes of clothes just were still left sitting there, there.
0: Pos- and I thought right like he's got to have uh, a pal somewhere
1: or somebody come back to get his clothes so that was um, <laughs> that was my experience in the St Johnston oh. support <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's <laughs> thankfully a, a lesser <laughs> spotted thing these days the <laughs> thankfully no, don't so yes. see
1: much I don't of know them now. <coughs> There's
2: more animals in the pitch and things. Yeah, yeah that
0: that's was, true. As we speak now, a couple of days ago, there was a cat. The black the cat. That was funny. Park. Those little cool reminders that bring it back that football is supposed to be enjoyable are quite useful. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Trying here at things you have in common with football as athletes, and so football is famously superstitious. So I'd like to ask each of you if you have any pre-game pre-event pretty much superstitions in terms of the way what you do in your, your routine
1: yeah well you could say that my heart's band is a superstitious but it's it's not so much now i think before i used to be a bit like that where i would like i need to wear these these spikes and 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 this strip or whatever but i think now I, i'm at that point where it's like i i don't like to have those things because then if, if something does go wrong or you don't have the right spikes or you, you forget i you know, forget my heart's band or whatever then i i, I panic so i think not so much superstitions, but I have my routine and, and and that's very much you know the way I warm up the way i'll you know get ready for a race is always very similar, but nothing is sort of set in stone because you've got to be able to you know be able to be flexible because sometimes you got to track and they'll have different warm-up situations that you don't have I won't have hurdles that I can practice whereas I've got to adapt my warm-up and things like that so I think yeah not you so much superstitions yeah things. exactly yeah. you don't want to be thinking I've not got this available it's me I'm not going to be prepared in the best way possible so yeah I think when I was younger I would have been different but now I'm just pretty pretty flexible and not too bothered about anything
0: like that. When you're racing is it 100% pure concentration or do you ever wonder what you're going to have for tea?
1: No it's if I'm thinking of other things, I don't, normally don't run well. Yeah. That's when you know the, the focus and the concentration. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's you know, I'm not like Eve. I'm not out there for so long. I, I'm, I mean, I'm on that track for less than a minute, you know, and yeah. it's it's very much if I can't concentrate for fifty four <laughs> seconds, um, then yeah, i may be doing something wrong. So yeah, for me, and it's very much it's what what I do all the time you know I've ran that event ran for hurdles so so many times so it's a case of just when you're getting that blocks it's just like autopilot Just you're just executing your race plan you're executing that and I know I've had races where I've, I've switched focus and I've been thinking about beating somebody or thinking about somebody who's gone out really hard and I've been thinking oh they've, I need to react and they've been the races that I've not been happy with the outcome so once I Focus on my own race and run my own plan. I'm always happy, kind of with with the outcome. But if I've, other things are going on in my head, then uh, then I'm I'm not thinking right and I'm not happy.
0: I think that must be true across across sports. And Eve do, do your, does your mind ever drift to <laughs> blue popcorn? <Yeah. laughs> it's becoming a theme. You're going to get a good Well, yeah, deal, my think.
2: um my my games can last like up to three hours, yeah. and it's a long time to concentrate. So yeah, I'll, must I admit, like I'll look at Daisy in the crowd or so-and-so over here see what they're wearing or think about what I'm having with my tea or um, but like when when I have to concentrate I concentrate if you know what I mean I would say That's 90% it. of the time I'm I'm concentrating because Carlin's like one, one missed call by me and it could cost you the game so it's it's not worth it at all is it so um, yeah I, I do let my mind wander but when I need to be in the zone I am
0: Just before we wrap up, very soon Scotland's greatest national team the women's team mm. will be playing in the World Cup that's surely going to be a boost for all sport in Scotland I think
2: Oh I I really hope so and I think it's a massive opportunity for Scottish sport even through the past few years we've had major events being the Ryder Cup, the Commonwealth Games and in Scotland which has been fantastic but for Team Scotland to to get that place in the world, especially in women's football, is something that hasn't been done for... I don't know the answer, if ever. Um, So I think we really need to capitalise on it, and I I think we we have done so far, because there's been plenty um, kind of publicity and talk about it, but um, we need to make sure and and do that when the time comes, but it's really great for Scottish women's football.
0: It's an extraordinary story when you look at the history, really, Mm. because I think it was only 1974 when women were properly allowed Mm -hmm. to play football again in Scotland, and obviously there hasn't been much resource in the games. So it just shows you what a job Shelley Kerr and the team have Mm. done
1: yeah and, and remember not these girls aren't all full time footballers either you know a lot of these girls have got jobs you know and and, and are working part time and things like that so to be able to do that and and not be f- completely fully focused as that as their main main job is just fantastic and uh, I think it's really important that obviously I mean, a lot of people we've got behind them when they've qualified because you know I've been at quite a few kind of awards dinners and that this time of year where they've been winning, Shelley's been getting the coach of the year, they've been getting team of the year and it's important about keeping that going. You know, yes, they've qualified but let's really support them and the fact that they've got England in their in their draw I think will really kind of boost that as well. You know, people will be wanting to, to watch the Scotland-England game as well and, and, and hopefully just really get behind them and kind of keep this momentum
0: going shows you a bit of the joy that can still be wrought from football despite those excesses we talked about okay to wrap up entirely i would like to ask first of all eve your future aims personally in sport and of course for st johnston
2: eh for myself we are just hitting our scottish championships next week and then hopefully that will lead us on to the worlds if that all goes to plan and the big goal i'd like to go for another olympics in beijing 2022 and it's a tough ask, but I think it's definitely doable. So that, for me, is is what I want to do. Um, St so Johnston, take over hearts in the league. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the little yes, things. Yes, it's those little things. No, I just hope they can, can kind of continue this recent run of kind of good games and keep consistent. I think consistency is quite key. Um, and try and get a few a few more wins under their belt would be nice.
0: And send you and the team a bit of blue popcorn next time you've got a big match.
1: Yeah, get some shit then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and for you, eh? uh,
1: for me, well, short term goals. I've got my uh, indoor British Championships this weekend, which is a qualifier for our European Indoor Championships, which are actually in Glasgow uh, in a few weeks' time. So it's about qualifying for that, hopefully, and, and going there and performing well. And then it'll be that'll be for the 400 meters, and then um, looking to the summer ahead, it's we've got the World Champs in October in Doha, so then I'll be back over the hurdles and and preparing for that really. So that's that's the big targets this year. Um, and then in terms of hearts, yeah, just slowly keep getting those points and keep working up the table. I think try and get you know as close to the top three as possible. Try and maybe get you know a European spot, and then I think just keep the the cup run going as well. Just try and stay in the cup as long as possible, and hopefully go on and lift another trophy.